I'm Austin Bolton, and coming up on the Aztec Breakdown podcast, Jacob and I are bringing you another edition of the Spread Offense. Uh, I had a little scheduling conflict this week, so we actually did a recap of the Hawaii game at the very beginning. Then we jumped into uh, doing lines for four Mountain West games. Then we wrapped up with a little basketball media day talk because this is the Access Breakdown podcast. We're going to do a little basketball if we feel like it. Uh, but first, some housekeeping. Don't forget to rate, like, and review wherever you get your podcast. Follow Trone and the show at Aztec Breakdown. You can follow me at It's Austin Bolton, Jacob at Aztec Analytics, Carly at Car Car McGee, and Kyle at Call Me Kinslow. Super fun episode we did with Jacob. Uh, let's get after it. San Diego Another edition of the Spread Offense. Joining me like he always does every week is Jacob from Aztec Analytics. Jacob, how are you doing today? Doing great. This is the first Thursday in 42 days where the Aztecs won their previous game. So nice. we're already on the right track. You know, we need the good vibes. The vibes, the, the vibes are rough out there for the football team, and uh, I'm glad they got a win. It was, uh, we'll, we'll get into that here a little bit. Um, you know, since we didn't do a recap pod because I was unfortunately traveling for work earlier this week, Jacob, let's dive in a little bit, uh, before we get to the spreads, just going over the Hawaii game. So what are, what were your first initial thoughts just from, from the matchup last Saturday? Well, my first thoughts were, um, you know, very good first half. Um, we were up 17, nothing at one point, uh, kind of let a, a, a bad drive towards the end. Um, you know, cut cut the lead at half. Uh, was it? I can't even remember. Was it seventeen to seven or seventeen to fourteen and a half? Um, I got to think here. It was seventeen. Yeah, it was seventeen fourteen and a half. So, two uh, Hawaii had uh, two touchdown drives in the final four and a half minutes. You know, so you like the you know the defense to hold that from happening in the final five minutes. Uh, but just in terms of like the way the game went, it was a lot of back and forth. Um, between both offenses it was you know kind of a game that we expected where there was very little defense um and the offenses exposed those defenses um but I like the way we played you know coming out of the halftime as well getting up and you know even when Hawaii was throwing their punches back at us and cutting the lead and you know potentially tying the game we ended up responding and I feel like that was something that maybe in the first half of the season we weren't able to do very well as when we, we got hit in the mouth, we didn't necessarily respond too well. Yeah. It was interesting. I mean, they've definitely clicked their air raid offense, right? Like that's what Timmy Chang wants to do. That's what Timmy Chang is known for. And they just got, they just got it rolling. That's all there is to it. Like they were, they were just hitting these deep bombs and it was nothing. We've really seen it, you know, all season, you know, you think of the great teams that we've played Oregon state, they like to run and do play action. UCLA, you know, although they are fast paced, they really like to run the ball. Like they don't, they don't air it out. Like Chip Kelly did at Oregon. Like they really, they really play fast, but they run the ball a lot more than they did. 
And this was like a true old school, like air raid attack. And they just really took the, the top off the defense a couple times. And I just don't think it's kind of like the triple option with air force where it's something you don't see a ton of anymore. And I, I think it just caught the secondary by surprise. And I mean, it even got Noah Tumblin, who I am on record. I love Noah Tumblin, and he even gave up a, a pretty deep one there. And so, I don't know. Do you going going forward to the next game? Do you think teams are going to try to air raid us a little bit because it's a little bit more of a common offensive practice than the triple option, or was that a one time occurrence? Well, I mean, I think um, there's film on it now. Um, I, I looked, and um, you know, they scored. Four touchdowns, Hawaii did. And on three of their touchdown drives, they had a play of over 50 yards. They had a, a 55-yard pass play, a 62-yard, and a 65. So, you know, explosive plays don't necessarily, you know, carry over necessarily. But there is reason to believe that some teams might, you know, try to expose that given the fact that there were three Big, big plays. And two of those plays were touchdowns. So that's two 50-yard-plus touchdowns. That's just, you know, that's kind of – that's unacceptable. And Air Force did the same thing the week before where they had two two long ones. And that's a team that doesn't even like to throw the ball. So, uh-uh. I mean, if if you're looking at the tape, if you are Nevada, you're definitely looking in to install some kind of deep threat at some point of the game to give it a shot because it has worked the last handful of games. Um, from an offensive perspective – I mean, Jalen Maiden had a pretty good game, 18 of 24, 221 yards. He did only have a QBR of 35.8, which which isn't great. But I thought the really good thing that we saw out of that is that Makai Shaw got back in action. He was six catches, 126 yards, and a touchdown. I thought he was outstanding getting back in the mix. The only thing I didn't love about that as much is from, from kind of just a strategic standpoint is I thought it cost Balen Brooks snaps. I would like to see him because Balen Brooks obviously came in and subbed for Makai Shaw, and that was a straight one-two in the whatever their what X wide is or whatever. Um, I would have liked to seen Balen Brooks kind of get a little bit more action in the game. But what did you see from the offense? How did the from you know your research there um, yards over expectancy? Did that did that seem better than in, in past weeks? Yeah, um, definitely offensively. Um, yards per dropback, it was 9.2, and that's in the 90th percentile in all of college football. So passing the ball was much better than in weeks past. Running the ball, you know, was still a little little iffy, but um, a lot of people got involved. Uh, five, there were one, two, three, six, six different guys got a carry, at least one carry, and uh, Lucky Sutton had two touchdowns. I'm very, very pleased to see Lucky Sutton in there. Because uh, I think he's the future at running back, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I was glad to see Lucky Sutton too. And I definitely made the point during the game, like, man, if you have five running backs, do you, do you really have one? Like, I thought that was a pretty interesting strategic choice by the coaches because the way the Aztecs like to run the ball, I feel like that's a very rhythmic thing where, like, they're getting carries and they're getting a lot. And it just it seemed super clunky from a rhythm standpoint where not they didn't really get a chance to – to do anything like they just like they would get taken out and all of that kind of stuff. I, let me, I have it here. It's uh, from the snap count from the running back perspective. Cam Davis got 23. Lucky Sutton got 13. Martin Blake got 16. Jalen Armstead got 12 and Keaton Christian got 21 snaps. Like I feel that's like that's even. I, it, it's super even, but I feel like just it's gotta be hard to have any kind of rhythm from getting hot, cold, sitting out a little bit 
you know, are you, are, were they rotating like once every fifth drive based on that? Like, is that, is that kind of how it was going? And then I know Leo Kemp also got in the action a little bit too at fullback. I'm pretty sure he was the sixth running back that that got a touch. It just, it was just surprising to me. And it's, I don't want to call it worrisome because it's supposed to be the strongest room that we have in Aztec football. But to be this late in the season and be like, man, let's like really roll the dice and see what we got and just really more more or less try to find the hot hand. And they never kind of really did, except for Lucky Sutton by the goal line. I just thought that was an interesting choice. What did what did you think from playing five tailbacks perspective for the Aztecs? Yeah. I mean, I, I 100% understand what you're saying in terms of, you know, how are you going to um, – I don't want to say continuity is the word, but in terms of confidence, you know, knowing that there's a good chance after a big run you get taken out all the time. But on the flip side, running back is – <laughs> it's probably, the, I don't say the hardest position in football, but you are getting hit on every play, whether you're actually carrying the ball, whether you're faking a handoff, whether you're in pass pro. So it's a very physical position. And I've noticed this, it seems like more than ever, I've noticed this, you know, throughout college and even NFL is there's, there's no more, you know, one running back 20 carries a game anymore. It's, it's, you know, there's, you play your backups because the idea is, you know, spread the wealth, if you will. Don't, you know, don't make a guy be in there for 40 snaps on offense when you can have four guys be on there for 10 snaps and, and, you know, you can, you know, be, be more efficient that way. But yeah, I mean, it saves their bodies. No, I took, that's a great point. Like even yeah. in the NFL, those guys play three, four running backs a game. I just thought going six was deep, especially since that's it's, interesting. The, it's the first time we had seen it all year. And really, they did it on defense, too, where after the bye week, they really seemed to shake the jar a little bit. They shook mm-hmm. the snow globe. And, like, there were guys playing that we hadn't really seen all season. So from a, I think from a coaching standpoint, and this is kind of the Jalen Maiden, you know, his the conundrum with him last season is, like, the Aztecs were 2-4 and four going into this game. They all of a sudden play a bunch of new guys, either – where were these guys in the first half of the season? What's the story? Did they improve through the year that they kind of earned this time? Or mm-hmm. was it another kind of a, a talent evaluation blunder on the coach's part where maybe they didn't really quite understand what they have and they haven't been – the guys that should have been getting the majority of the snaps didn't. And I think that's a fair question to ask the coaches. And it's – it was just interesting. I mean, they did play well. The defense played outstanding in the first half. They were making, they were oh, flying yeah. all over the place. They were tackling. I think that was almost part of the reason why Hawaii had success with some of the air raid stuff because they were they they were super aggressive. So if they got any kind of pass protection, it, there was one on one coverage for the, those guys to go deep. But it was just they played a lot of guys, and it just I understand the 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 motivation of shaking things up after a two and four start in a bye week. But yeah, I just go back to where were these guys before and why weren't they playing and getting an explanation there would be interesting. Well, I guess a a next, you know, not a detailed explanation, but if they do that same sort of strategy this weekend, maybe it's something we'll see in the future where it's, you know, we don't have a Rashad Penny. Yeah. You know, so we got to spread the carries around. If the drop yeah, on the on the carries thing, that's for sure. Like, I Cam Davis had a really great game. He had a seventy five point one offensive rating. Like from a PFF standpoint, that's you know the very good eighties, the very good sixties average. I'd be interested to see if he got 
a considerable amount of carries going forward. I know that they've fed him the ball before and he didn't have the success he was looking for. And like Jalen Armstead was kind of getting that success, but he had a handful of fumbles that that caught that pushed mm-hmm. the force the coach's hand to to have him not play quite as much. I'm with you though. Like the Lucky Sutton thing has been out there for a while. Everybody's kind of been begging for it. And I just let's just see him as a feature back. I'm not saying he has to play 60 snaps or whatever. You know, the offense had 69 snaps. I'm not saying he needs to play 50 of them, but maybe he gets 15, you know, 15 to 20 total touches between rushing and passing. And just to see, cause that guy's a, that guy's a beast. That guy's a truck man. And I was very impressed with what, uh, what they were doing. Did you, do you like their offense? The way they kind of run those guys when they do either the wishbone or kind of that T offense where, I feel like there's a lot of options to go out of it and you could be pretty creative, but mm-hmm. you kind of run the same thing every time. What's your, what's your, you know, you're a classic college football fan. Like what's your thought on some of those formations? Well, it's cool to see a formation like that, especially if it's a formation that's kind of going away. I love but, it. It's it's my favorite thing about this team. I love when they do it. I, it yeah. It's, no, it's, it's really, really cool when you see like a classic formation in this, in today's game of college football. But you know, the one thing is, is if you are, you know, you're showing the same look over and over and over. How effective does it actually, you know, end up being? But uh, maybe they'll introduce different looks within the same package where the defense hasn't seen it on film. Um, and then maybe you can expose the defense that way. But it's, I mean, it's fun to look at. That's for sure. Fun to I, watch. Would lo- I would love to see like when they do the the wing, like a read option type of style with the guy on his right. And then he can pull that and go to a speed option. So if the, Running back on his right is coming to his left to take the handoff. If it's a read option, he can pull it back and go yep. to a speed option to his right. Yeah. That that's the thing we haven't seen come out of this yet. And like, are they just setting up this for the Fresno game? Where during the Fresno game, we've they've kind of seen a super conservative offense. And then all of a sudden you see kind of the wild stuff come out of it. Like, you know, I yeah. I think this, I think the season's too far on the line to not bust that out earlier, but they're definitely I would think they're definitely setting it up for something down the line where there's more misdirection coming out of those formations. But you want like a, a triple option look out of the pistol um, yeah. as opposed to uh, that, under center. Like yeah, and that's course. that's kind of what Army runs, I'm pretty sure. Army runs kind of that triple option out of, out of shotgun pistol formation. It'd be interesting. And Moose is a monster. Like, I mean, I know that he he definitely hurt his lower leg against Boise. I remember him pulling up and the the next game he definitely seemed – a little limber on the leg. So maybe they're mm-hmm. being careful with him, but mm-hmm. like get the moose on the loose. Like I, I love the idea of that. And you could even, th- you could technically even throw out of that if you wanted to, where yeah, you, know, you have a, you have a bunch of options out of there. It's just RPO. Yeah. How, how crazy are they willing to open up the offense? And that's kind of been the question since Ryan Lindley took over as quarterback. Like last year, they called it the in and out offense. They had, they had a single, a double, double, and like one other thing on the menu and they, they were pretty good at it. So (laughs) that's good. good All right. Any, all right. Overall good win. It's always good to go over there and get a W. I think that's, that's probably a tougher trip than most expect. I mean, that's basically the equivalent of going to the East coast. Any last thoughts before we move on on just the, on the dub they got on the islands? Um, well, it was obviously well needed and, um, I'm I'm very confident that this is the beginning of of uh, a nice little run to 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 go to to get to bowl eligibility. You're three and four right now. Obviously, you have uh, Nevada this week, Utah State, Colorado State, San Jose, Fresno State. Um, like I said, 
you need to win three of those games to get the bowl eligibility. And my model does have STSU projected as the favorite in three of the final five games. With that being said, the last thing you can do is hiccup to a terrible, terrible Nevada team, which we'll talk about later. But, you know, at this point in the season, context doesn't matter. We're trying to get to bowl eligibility. We're not trying to be ranked number one. The way you win doesn't matter. Winning, winning, you know, is, is what we're doing here. So, Post-season Whether it's must. a sloppy seven-point win or a beautiful 21-point win, you walk out of Hawaii with a win, and at the end of the day, that's what's most uh, important. A win's a win, and these guys deserve it because there's just they're working hard. You know, they are doing better. Like they looked better. Like other than Air Force, which 100%. is still the number two rated team in the country on PFF, only behind Michigan. That still stands. They put up a good amount of points against Boise. They put up a good amount of points against Hawaii, where they were. Those were stylistically good games that people have kind of been asking for. And so I think, you know, the Air Force game is an outlier. Like, we're going to talk about them next. That's that's a really exceptional football team. And, hmm. you know, I think them not scoring as much against them. And even they even had offensive success on that first on that first drive. But, you know, the last two games outside of this elite team that we have in the Mountain West, they have played an exciting brand of football. And, you know, with the Nevada game coming up, it definitely has the opportunity to keep it going. So, mm-hmm. all right, man, let's, let's get into it. We're going to go the same format as last week, because again, because of just Nevada standing, you know, two teams that are technically kind of ranked in the hundreds and all advanced metrics. There's not a lot of prop bets on this. So that's just the over under and the, and the total points. So we're going to go through the interesting games, of the mountain West schedule. Um, disclaimer, as always, sports betting on is illegal in California. I will not be placing my own money on these picks, but fade us at your own discretion. And that is the truth because you and I, my friend went 11 and five last week and we were all over some of our picks. So I'm looking forward uh, to the same kind of success. So let's get after it. 9 a.m. on Saturday. This isn't actually, this is a non-conference game, but I, but I want to talk about these guys and it's an interesting matchup, especially from a San Diego standpoint. Air force is in Maryland playing the Naval Academy 9 a.m. CBS Air Force are is ten and a half point favorites, and the over under is thirty five. Jacob, start us off. What do you feel on on the ten and a half uh, Air Force being ten and a half favorites? So uh, the model has Air Force winning by a little over fourteen and a half. Um, so I would say cover ten and a half. I feel like Air Force has been ten and a half point favorites quite frequently. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure they were ten and a half point favorites against Wyoming. They were around. 10 and a half against us. Um, but I, I, I like Air Force. Uh, the best team in Colorado, by the way. The best the best college football team in Colorado is Air Force, part of the Mountain West Conference. Truly have New Year's Six aspirations, which would be so, so cool for the conference. Um, now, in terms of this game, I mean, we already know what we're going to see from Air Force offensively. They're just, they're just really, really good. Um, Top three in total EPA when running the ball. Uh, their success rate, they're number five running the ball. Overall offense, they're number six in success rate, number uh, 11 in total EPA, number 11 in available yards. So they're basically getting every yard they need, whether it's running the ball. Uh, you know, obviously they've shown some flashes of passing <laughs> against us one time, right? Uh, and you're playing a Navy defense who is average at best 
Um, pretty decent against the run. But in this game, I just expect Air Force to dominate because I don't think that Navy can counter what Air Force does on offense. Um, offensively, Navy is a uh, bottom 30 offense in terms of EPA and success rate. Um, and that's up against a defense in Air Force who is uh, top half nationally in terms of um, EPA and and success rate as well. So I just think this is a game, although it is a rivalry, which we'll touch on the total in a sec that might have something to do with it. But I just I don't know how you can not watch Air Force week in and week out and 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 think that somebody else is going to give them a fight or even beat them at this point. So I expect Air Force to absolutely handle handle Navy. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, the one thing that I saw here on Pro Football Focus about Navy is for their season total, their tackling grade is 41. So again, on PFF, 60 is average. You know, anything kind of below 50 is is considered very poor. And if you're not going to tackle against these guys, it's mm-hmm. over. Like, it's Longer. just... They're just going to bust long run after long run. You know, their up back or their full back is just going to take it right up the middle. And they're good. then they'll start collapsing on that. And then they'll get to the outside and pitch it. And I've never seen a team like Air Force gash big plays out of that thing like they do this season. They're unbelievable. I, you know, we watched that Wyoming game. I watched that whole game. And again, although they didn't cover because I thought Wyoming wasn't getting enough credit. They're the best team in the Mountain West. And quite frankly, you know, I have some Air Force roots with my grandfather being an Air Force veteran, but like if you're not rooting for these guys to come out of the Mountain West at this point for 100%. the New Year's Six game, unless you're 100%. Fresno, unless you're Fresno are kind of those that top top tier of the of the conference, like I want this to happen. Like I think they are at the last bowl projection I saw, they were supposed to play, I want to say it was Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl or something like that. It was in the Fiesta Bowl. I don't remember the Power Five team, but it was like a classic Power Five team. And I was like, how cool would that be? Like if Air Force is bringing the triple option to the Fiesta Bowl, that yeah. would be outrageous. I, I love, yeah, I like I said, I think, you know, I'll touch on the over-under 35. I think I think Air Force could get to 35 by themselves, right? So I think yeah. I think the over is kind of a no-brainer there. You know, if it's 28 to 7, 31 to 7, you know, somewhere in that range, I just I I don't see even if Navy doesn't really score, and I know that they're offensively not that proficient. I just don't see it happening, and I just think Air Force is Air Force is going to cover that almost by themselves. And uh, you know, the only thing holding this back, and you touched on it, is that this is also like like an AFC North division game. Like when the Ravens played the Steelers, no matter how good or bad those two teams are, and maybe on the scale of one being good and one being bad, when they play each other, it turns into a rock fight. And that's 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 what can happen here. I did look up the last ten matchups versus uh, between these two schools. It's about fifty fifty from blowouts to super close ones. So it wasn't like it tilted one way or the other. It it really was like when Air Force kind of had their their older guys going. It did seem like they they got ahead of them a little bit more. But there, then there were some years where it was ten to seven, and so it's there was no there was no. Um, there was no kind of just streaks or just any kind of consistency one way or the other. Like I was kind of expecting like, all right, like is air force just always kind of consistently better than these guys or is it always consistently a rock fight? And it, 
there was definitely a variance there that I was a little surprised about, but this is Air Force is the team of destiny this year, and uh, I think that they take it. What's the what are, what are you seeing on the on the under over under? So I, I'm going with over as well. Um, I'm closer to 49 points, uh, like you said. Um, that's one of those games where Air Force is going to score 30 on their own. But here's the here's the even crazier stat in terms of so Service Academy versus Service Academy since 2005. The under is 43, 10, and 1. That is ridiculous. That's like 80%. Wow, that is under. crazy. That is absolutely ridiculous. And I believe this total opened closer to like 39, and it's all the way down to 35, and you can find it under 35. But the Sharps the definitely time, saw that. Does, does that include Army in that, or is it just this yeah. matchup? Yep, okay. that includes Army. Yep. Uh, com- the Commanders in, in Chief Trophy. Um, but again, when the total was so low and when we played them, we were thinking, oh, well, you know, the, f- the familiarity might come into play. That's why the total is so low. And next thing you know, Air Force goes over the total by themselves. So, again, I understand the Service Academy versus Service Academy thing. But if there's one year where that could be debunked, it's probably going to be this year with this Air Force team. Yeah, that's a good point. One thing I should look up here is Air Force's quarterback. Do we know? Do we know? I know he left the game versus uh, Wyoming. Do we? Do we know if he is coming back this week? No, oh, they they did good. lose him for a while, so that does change things a little bit. Maybe on it the over under, um, he's likely to be out for a while. But you know, the the other quarterback came in, although he had the like the first turnover they've had all season on that first drive they had. He still looked pretty good at the end and closed the game out. So. Yeah, um, and with Emmanuel Michelle, or not Emmanuel Michelle, but um, John Lee Eldridge III, that dude's a beast, and they can oh, just give crazy. it to that guy pretty much every yeah. time. And um, you know, the one thing that I think Air Force has going for them in this case too is they talked about this is that you know their quarterback situation wasn't really solved until about a week before the season, so they must have had some Smart. sort of confidence in their backup that he could have done it, or they would have called that way earlier. So I still love the over on this. I still, you know, those running backs are awesome, and I'm. I'd still, I, I'm still liking it. Yep. So, all right, let's move on here. We got, San, uh, I'm sorry, we have Utah State at three and four. They're at San Jose State, two and five, four o'clock CBS Sports Network. San Jose State is a four point favorite, and the over under is 65. Jacob, what are you feeling on that over? I'm sorry, what are you feeling on the uh, San Jose State minus four? Um, my model has them winning by three. So that would be a Utah state cover at plus four. Um, Utah states. So they started own three. Um, and then they, no, no, they started one and three and then no, what was it? Oh, and three, I think. Sorry. And then they won three in a row and then they lost. Um, but their offense has been much better than I think what was expected in the preseason. Um, Offensively, they're a top 40 offense in terms of total EPA. Um, passing the ball, they're a top 20, uh, or sorry, excuse me, top 40 offense as well. Uh, running the ball, they're a top 30 offense in total EPA, which I don't think anyone really expected uh, their offense to be um, that high up. Um, now, San Jose State, on the flip side, they're kind of the same way. They're very, this is a very, very close matchup um, in terms of. Um, offense they're both in the 40s in you know total total offense 
defensively is what's going to separate this game. San Jose cannot stop the run whatsoever. They're bottom 10 in total EPA. They're bottom 20 in success rate. Teams have just ran the ball on them as much as they wanted. Their pass defense is not much better. They're in the um, they're 107th in EPA. They're just not a great defense whatsoever. And I think Utah State can expose them when they're on offense, specifically when they're running the ball. Um, so I do like uh, Utah State plus four um, against San Jose State. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. You stole my you stole my thing there about how Utah State is a very good run offense and at an 89.1 on PFF. So that is, you know, 90 is elite, 80s, you know, kind of like all pro pro bowler. And San Jose State's run defense is a 55.4. So um, I expect there to be a ton of points in this game. Uh, at San Jose, with San Jose State at two and five, I do expect their best punch on offense. I mean, Siobhan Cordero, that guy was picked as the offensive player of the year in the Mountain yeah. West. Uh, with Utah State giving up 414 yards per game, 32.9 points per game, you know, I expect, you know, at San Jose State averages 391 with 31.4 points per game. So, you know, these teams give up a lot of yards. They give up a lot of points. I think this game is going to be a shootout. I'm hammering the over here of 66.5. I think this game is kind of high 30s, 40s for both teams. I think we'll get Utah, like you said, Utah State's been on a roll. San Jose State at home. This is probably their last stand to, you know, get to be bowl eligible. I mean, they've, you know, they're two, they get to two and six. I mean, that means they got to run the table the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. Probably unlikely at that point for them. So I think we're going to get a good performance out of San Jose State. I mean, they're, I mean, they're favored for a reason. Um, Point total for you. What's the, what's the model saying? Is the model saying shootout or maybe a little bit under? It's saying a little bit under. um, It's saying about 63 and a half. Um, but I do like your thought process. I mean, like I said, this is just the, mo- this is a model. So this is yeah. no, there's no human thinking, uh, but your thought process is hundred percent correct. And I can see it going that way. It's basically just two bad defenses who will give up points at will. Um, kind of like, uh, SDSU versus Hawaii last week. You saw how that went, right? That over was easy. And, and when we talked about the early matchups of common opponents, we matched up the Aztecs to both Utah state and San Jose state pretty much every time. Like, Oh yeah. Like they've already played San Jose state once. That looks like that's probably a fair, pretty, pretty fair comp. Oh, they played Utah state pretty fair comp. Like this is going to be one of those games. There's just going to be a ton of points. The chance for like a pick six is out there. Cause they're going to throw a ton, you know, just, just racking up different ways to get points. I think it'll be interesting. Um, but it'd be an interesting game. It's a good game. I don't know. I, I actually yeah. low key. So we'll move on to the next game, which I can't believe. That this is probably the in-conference game of the week, but here we are. Colorado State three and three is at UNLV five and one. This isn't even on regular TV; it's on Fubo at four o'clock. UNLV is favored by seven and a half points, and the over/under is sixty-two and a half. Just throw it out there: UNLV's only loss is to Michigan, mm-hmm. which is crazy. I mean, good for them. I mean, they 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 got a coach that that's putting points up and. Uh, all of that good stuff. What it has you you know these minus seven and a half. What's your take on that? Um, the model says uh, UNLV minus seven, so that would be Colorado State by half a point. Um, but that's not too far off of what Vegas is saying. Uh, first, first of all, did you see the way that 
Colorado State won last week. Dude, I watched that game. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny how luck tends to be relatively 50-50. I mean, you could argue that they got super unlucky against Colorado. And then a couple weeks later, that's how they win a game. Um, and now they stand three and three, one and one in conference. Um, but I mean, just talk about a talk about just like you're just total comeback kid. Like they are good in those tight situations. Like they they came back again. I mean, I think to being you know pick, taking Colorado State plus the seven and a half, them just backdooring that because they they make a huge comeback at the end is one thousand percent in the cards for Colorado yeah. State. Yeah. Um, so when I, when I researched this game, um, they're still not really that good of a football team. Um, (laughs) neither, neither Um, is Colorado. So, you know, yeah, exactly. Um, but UNLV on the flip side, like you said, um, you could call them the surprise of the conference this year, perhaps. I mean, when we think of UNLV, we don't think of football, uh, whatsoever. And we don't think of winning football either. So obviously People see UNLV and they're like, eh, UNLV, right? Well, this year they're they're not eh, UNLV. They're a pretty decent football team. Um, offensively, they are really good at running the ball. They're 18th in uh, total EPA running the ball. So that is what they want to do. They want to run the ball. Passing the ball, they're, they're a little bit below average, slightly below average, but they just want to run the ball um, against Colorado State. Colorado State's strength on defense, though, is run defense. And it's not a strength in terms of it being highly rated. It's just a strength of it not as being not being as bad as what they are against the pass. Um, obviously, everyone watched the Colorado game. Colorado State was passing all over Colorado. Um, they can pass the ball. Their quarterback's a little turnover prone. I feel like he, uh, he, he had an interception against Utah State that basically sealed the game. Uh, for Utah State to win that one. Um, running the ball, though, Colorado State is second to last in literally everything. E- total EPA, success rate. They cannot run the ball and will not run the ball. So they're going to you know, try to air it out as much as they can. Um, UNLV defensively against the pass is not very good whatsoever. Uh, they're 113th in EPA. Um, so they give up points through the air, and uh, against the run, they're a little bit better than that. So again, this is kind of one of those teams where I'm try- uh, games where I'm trying to think where the strength is and the difference, and kind of similar to what we just said, the difference in this game is UNLV being able to run all, you know, all over the the Colorado State run defense. Did I, I'll admit I haven't seen a ton of UNLV. Do they run kind of the spread Chip Kelly run offense? Is that what they're yeah, doing? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they. That's, they that's are, what I thought. Yeah, they're um, they're thirty thirty eight uh, rushing plays a game uh, to twenty eight. So they're a little bit more. They're about you know sixty five, thirty five uh, run, which is uh, pretty significant. Yeah, I I definitely like uh, UNLV the minus seven and a half. Um, Colorado State's given up thirty points to everybody except for Middle Tennessee and Utah Tech this season. Um, on the road, Colorado State hasn't been very good. Um, on the road, they lost by eight to Colorado in overtime, but they were way down in that game, and they were probably fortunate to kind of – or no, that's not true. That That's flipped around. Colorado came back in that game, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. But they still lost by eight on the road. And then against Utah State on the road, they lost by 20. So going into a hot UNLV team, I just think kind of, you know, they're kind of Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde a little bit um, on the road. Um, you know, they beat Boise at home. They, you know, they, they got smacked around a little bit by Washington State. Um, but I just think, you know, the Utah State game is probably pretty indicative of how they are as a road team. So I, I think they're going to probably lose this one by more than uh, one touchdown on the road to UNLV, who's been hot. And, um, but I still think there's a decent chance to give up a, a enough points to go the over here. I mean, UNLV did give up 27 points to Nevada last week, who is dead last in every offensive cat, you know, traditional offensive category in the Mountain West. So from that perspective, I think points will be given up on their side, but UNLV, you know, they're just going to run all over these guys and they're just going to put up a ton of points. So how, what are you feeling on the 62 and a half over, uh, over under? So the model has it slightly towards the under. It has it around a 58. Um, but again, your thought process is 100% correct um, in terms of what, what could happen in that game. Uh, real quick, going back to uh, Colorado State beating Boise State, their postgame win expectancy was 9%. So you talk about getting lucky. Um, <laughs> that, that, yeah. was, that was a lucky win, which is a perfect spot for UNLV and the the luck gods to flip it immediately <laughs> and then That's get blown true. out this weekend. Yeah, I mean, from a total points perspective, here's uh, the last four for UNLV. So that's Vanderbilt, UTEP, Hawaii, Nevada. They've put up 40, 45, 44, 45. And then they gave up 27 to Nevada and they gave up 20 to Hawaii. Both of those hit the over on those. And I think that Colorado State's a better, probably a better team than both Hawaii and Nevada. So I do like the over there, but um, not to say it couldn't slow down or, you know, that they could get way ahead, you know, they could get just blown out on the road and, you know, one of those things where they, they just kind of stop, mm-hmm. stop trying to score. Um, well, well those it's, teams- it's, an, it's, an, it's an interesting game though. And I, I, it's, it's just crazy that that's where we're at in the season at Colorado state that took Colorado to the brink UNLV. That's crazily five and one, like, and that's the game of the week when, when, when it's all said and done with this go around. So, yeah. Well, UNLV still has uh, – they play at Fresno, at Air Force, and then they play uh, home to Wyoming. So, you know, they got the – their back half is extremely hard. But, yeah, um, that's you know, that's the, the teams that you mentioned that they put a bunch of points up against had terrible defenses. Well, guess what? Colorado State's defense is not much better than those. So. Yeah. They're, they're definitely in a rude, a rude awakening when they go to Colorado Springs. But, geez, they could be <laughs> – what is that? Five, six – seven and three for that game and then have San Jose state for their last game. So they could be going to a bowl game at kind of like eight and four. I mean, that's a, yeah. that's a huge step up for that program. And like, Oh, hundred percent. I mean, congratulations to them. Like, I mean, I've just, I've been around San Diego state sports for almost 20 years. I don't ever remember them even ever going to a bowl game. I'm sure they have at some point, but I don't, it's not like I remember it. So, mm-hmm. um, all right, let's get into the main attraction here. Nevada. Oh, and six. At San Diego State, three and four, six o'clock on FS2. The Aztecs are 13 and a half point favorites. The total points over under is 48. I will just start um, with the fact that Nevada is the last place ranked team in PFF. Nevada is last place in the Mountain West in yards. They're the last in yards given up. They're the last in points scored and they're the last in points given up. So it's been a rough go for the Wolfpack this season. Um, I, you know, I can't imagine what it's probably like to go through that for them because it's just 
everywhere they look, it just is not not what you want to see. Um, but let's get into it. I mean, 13 and a half points, that seems doable. But honestly, I, I'm going to kick it over to you. I flip-flopped on this. Like, my little notepad here has like four different scratch outs because I couldn't. I couldn't pick one on this one, but what what do you think, Jacob? Uh, so the model I have says fourteen point three, so that's right over, right over that. So that's two touchdowns is is the key number for this game. But I mean, you kind of already went <laughs> went over the analysis of Nevada. How how bad is their like EPA and just like some of those super advanced? Is it is it yeah? Just so there's a hundred there's one hundred and thirty three teams in D one college football, and they're one hundred and thirty first in EPA per play, yards per play available yards percentage, which is how much they're gaining on offense. They're 131st in success rate as well. I mean, there's literally only two teams that could get that could be worse than Nevada. I don't know who those are, but they're they're as, as far down to the bottom as you can get um in college football. Um and for that reason we'd hope that San Diego State can just absolutely expose that. Um I try to look for something that's encouraging for Nevada. The only thing I could really find, at least from an offensive standpoint, is they're not terrible running the ball. Um, They're 60th in the country in total EPA running the ball. But when they pass the ball, they're outside the top 100. Um, Their starting field position is 130th in college football. They start at their own 23. If you get a touchback, you're at the 25. So you're literally starting behind where a touchback would be. Um, success rate, offensively, they're 114th. They just don't have anything offensively. And then you flip it to defense, and somehow it gets worse. Defensively, success rate, 130th. Total EPA, 130th. Against the pass, success rate, 131st in the country. Against the run, success rate, 124th against in, in the country. So, you know. Fresh off of 41 points in Hawaii, this is the perfect game for the Aztec offense to build even more confidence because there should be zero resistance defensively from Nevada. So, um, you know, this this should be a game that SDSU should handle um, quite easily. Yeah, I mean, Nevada on PFF is a... They tackle at their tackling grade is forty six point two. There was ever a, gr- a game for Moose, Lucky Sutton, and Jalen Armstead to kind of bust tackles, use big bodies. That's it. Um, I will say I was looking for kind of where where could Nevada go here. The Aztecs, you know, the Aztecs score twenty two point four points a game. Nevada gives up thirty nine and a half. If you take the difference there, that's thirty one. Whereas if the Aztecs give up thirty one a game and Nevada scores seventeen. If you beat in the middle there, that's 24, 31, 24. Just using basic, basic stats and kind of coming into the middle was about the closest way I could come to be like, how could this even possibly be um, within two touchdowns? But at the same time, the Aztecs only beat an FCS team by eight, right? Mm-hmm. So that's out there. And that's the Aztecs historically have played with their food with far superior, far less superior teams than, or, you know, when they're far more superior than the team, you know, they, they've been known to do that. Um, and where they kind of, but I still think because the Aztecs are under 500, you know, if you read East village times, you know, those guys feel like their back is against the wall based on the quotes that they were given Paul and Andre, the fact that, you know, they still want to go out and get a win and prove themselves to, 
you know, kind of some of the negativity that's around the program and go out there and say, Hey, like, you know, we can still go over the postseason. We can still do this. And, you know, one of those ways will to have to be blowing out a team that is statistically last in every category. Like, I don't want to beat up on Nevada too much. Like that's a tough look. Like that's just not, it's just not going well for them. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe there's just something that's been disconnected there for, I think that coach has been there for a while, but that's a proud program. Like that's Colin Kaepernick, you know, came out of there. Like, yeah, there's, you know, it's a proud place. And so it is tough. I did end up deciding San Diego state will cover the third. I think they'll cover the 13 and a half only because I think they're going to get some, some more defensive touchdowns this game. And Nevada is, is way worse on offense than Hawaii. And I actually think Hawaii not only is better on offense, but they also found something that gets the Aztecs, which kind of encapsulated that. Whereas, and the Aztecs still got a pick six in that game. And so I think the defense, the defense is going to lead the way to a two touchdown win here. It's also why I think there's going to, the over is going to hit, you know, the Aztecs, other than Air Force, like we talked about earlier, I mean, they've put up 41 against Hawaii, 31 against 31 against Boise, 36 against Idaho State. You know, those are kind of the comps, if there's any. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think they do get over 30. And then um, I think they even kind of get in that 35 range. And then Nevada will probably put up like 10 or 17, somewhere in that range. You know, they might get they may get a late touchdown, but I think the Aztecs stay ahead. I think I think they're going to come out motivated in front of, in you know, at home, ready to kind of, you know, show the world that that they've that they've turned a corner. Yeah. Um, the one thing I'll be looking for in this game is. Like you, you said, don't play with your food. I love that. Um, defensively, don't play with your food. This. This Nevada offense, I mean, I already went over it. They're terrible. Their starting quarterback has one touchdown to five interceptions. Okay, so this don't let this be a game where Nevada decides that they have confidence in what they can do offensively. And that's the Idaho State problem. Exactly. That's what happened against Idaho State. Exactly. Those guys got those guys got comfortable. They started hitting a bunch of stuff over the short over the middle, and they got over them. That that that's, yep. you're you're a hundred percent right on that. They can't let Nevada do that in this game. They can't let them have any kind of confidence. So that exactly. So that's what I'm going to be looking for is how the defense performs against a, I mean, you know, is almost as bad as it gets offense. You know, there's just cannot mess around, cannot mess around, cannot make this close, can't do anything even relatively close to losing this game. Um, But I don't think we will. I think we'll handle Nevada. And I think people who maybe haven't watched Nevada will kind of see how, how bad they actually are. Um, and, and for that reason, I, I do, I do have uh, SDSU covered 13 and a half. Um, what about the over, what is uh what do you got for the over under 48 over on that as well? Yeah, I got the over, like, I got close okay. to 60, 60 points okay. actually. So yeah. So like a 41, 21 kind of game, like, yeah, I think that's, that's kind of, kind of in the area that we're thinking. Yep. So, something like that. Um, you know, special I think teams. The, I think the special teams is going to have another good night. I mean, yeah, and I think forty plus points is is definitely attainable for the Aztec offense coming off of uh, last week's one forty one. This is this is an unofficial over under, but over under fifty rushes for the Aztecs against Nevada, where they just try to pound it and just try to just try to own the clock and gash their gash their poor run defense and tackling. Well, if guess what, like we kind of talked about in the beginning, if you spread 
the carries around and you get fresh yeah. guys. I mean, in that's, there. A, that's what, that's what you want right there. Right. I mean, that's what we're going to yeah. do. I mean, you play that wishbone set with three running backs. The one thing that I think is a, that gives that play away a little bit is that they do that, but with two fullbacks where there's not really another option. But if you put Lucky mm-hmm. Sutton in one of those spots and the arm set behind you, with maybe yeah. another fullback in that third spot, um, I think there's more availability for deception there, but. Let's do it. I, I love I love when we run those plays. I think it's like the best thing we do, and I'd love to see a little bit more creativity out of it. Mm-hmm. And I just want to see Moose get loose. Like it's just like he's a weapon, yeah. and the games where he is the focal point of the offense, whether it's you know play action, getting out of the pocket where he can make easy throws for him, or have you know maybe they're playing man so he's able to run for first downs. When there when he's the focal point, he's definitely that's definitely the best version of the Aztec offense. And I'm hoping to, I'm hoping to see that here. So, all right, well, this is a, this, this podcast's origins is basketball. So let's talk a little basketball. Jacob, what ha- you saw San Diego state's local media day, anything that stuck out to you? Just let's just, let's just talk some hoops. Well, everyone talks about it, but it's just hundred percent true. It's, you know, the culture that has been instilled is, there's no denying that it's in place. Obviously, you heard what what uh, Reese Waters had to say about it. I mean, he had he had offers from UCLA, for example. He had Power Five, you know, uh, perennial Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight offers when he chose San Diego State because of the way, you know, Matt Bradley reacted after that game, and that. Um, that to me is just so profound, especially in a college basketball, no, not even college basketball, college sports that is now predicated over who's going to dish out the most money to you. The fact that someone would take, uh, not a risk, but would commit to a team that might not have that same financial opportunity that you know he could have gone to, I think that speaks volumes to not only our program, but him as a person, uh, just like, you know, what Lamont said about how he was getting six and seven figure deals, but he decided that he wanted to stay at SDSU and finish, you know, kind of what he started, what he built. Those two, um, those two quotes that I read on Twitter, uh, were, they were, they were just so profound because, you know, I can't even explain it, how, how profound those were. In, in my head, at least. No, I, I think you're 100% right. That's my favorite thing I heard Lamont say, and I posted this, is the he wants to be the voice of joy, right? Yeah. He wants to be that general. He wants to keep things positive out there. And I loved hearing that because I thought that particular, I didn't have the words, I didn't put it as eloquently as Lamont, but that's kind of what Keyshawn took with him, right? Like he was, he was that joy. He was the guy having fun, like keeping everything, everything going. And I love that, that Lamont wants to take that on. Um, I just, I think he's in for a huge season. I, I just am so excited for him. Like, like you said, he, he turned the deals down. He's playing the long game, wanted to cement a legacy here in San Diego that honestly, like, even if he goes to the NBA, he will still have that here in San Diego. If he ever wanted to, like there's, there's other long game potentials outside of basketball for how loyal he's been to this place. And San Diegans are loyal to their own. Like they're a provincial place like that. It's kind of like, it's a lot like Boston, to be honest with you, um, based on my experience living there. Um, I will say though, the one thing I'll just kind of pivot a little bit off of what I what I like to hear or what I heard that I really liked was Miles Bird. I thought, first off, 
I need the Miles Bird, Elijah Saunders buddy comedy of those guys living in UT of all places. <laughs> did, did, did they like redo those since I, like they, those were tiny. Those, those are baby dorms. Like those guys are living together. I thought that first, I thought that was hilarious. Um, and then the second thing is, you know, they had him running, running the point this last week. I think that's really interesting. You know, he's kind of got that Ben Simmons body, but he can actually shoot and he's lengthy and he has good feel. Um, and then that his defense is coming along and that he can really feel the step that he took this summer and the leap of just like, you know, I'm sure to a certain extent, it's one of those things where you struggle with it and then you get it. And then like, Oh, like, Oh, I get the spots I'm supposed to slide into. Oh, I get kind of those things. And it seems like that light bulb went off for miles. And at the, when, at the very beginning of doing the basketball pods for the season started, I didn't know how much playing time he may get compared to Elijah, but just hearing what I just heard from even the media day, I think there's a potential for him to get more minutes than maybe I was anticipating, you know, a month ago. Yeah. Especially because um, it seems as if, you know, obviously DT is going to start with Lamont. So he'll be more of a two guard. Yeah. So who fills in that, you know, backup, backup point guard, if it's not DT. And it, and it almost sounded like too, because it said they were, he was guarding the two, but playing point guard to where maybe he's the primary ball handler and they're trying to get Darian some set shots on that second unit because he is a, he is a good shooter where he's kind of the point guard on offense, but Darian will guard the traditional point guard on D and, you know, he's you know going to use his length on the shooting guards. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was kind of an interesting thing too, because I think there will be some positional flexibility between offense and defense this season where like, Maybe you guard the five on defense, but Jaden's kind of floating around playing all three levels. And there's not necessarily going to be like, you're the five. So on offense, you're here. And on defense, like, I think there'll be more fluidity from that perspective. Yep. And, and then I keep my, getting hints of that. Yeah. And, and my last takeaway um, is you mentioned Jaden. I mean, <laughs> I can't explain to you what he's going to do this year. Um, it's going to be wild. It's going to yeah. be wild. I'm. It's going to be, I think all of us on Aztec breakdown are pretty aligned. Like yeah, about to get, he's about to, I he's mean, about to go crazy. He took, I don't want to say a backseat, but he understood where he was within the team last year. And he took that role better than anyone with his skill set. knowing he probably could have started last year, but the he guys better than some fans than some fans did to be oh, honest. Yeah. Like they were, you know, they, there was kind of a cry from that from the beginning and he took his role because I think there's, some some just like juice to like Keyshawn was the one of the emotional leaders of that team and you know Jaden kind of knew his role you're you're spot on with that yeah um I'm yeah he he's going to be rewarded for being such a great teammate last year um and you know I think there's going to be a lot of games where the offense is going to if not all of them is going to run through him so you know, all those touches that he may not have gotten that a lot of people thought he should have or whatever got last year, he's going to get them. And I'm just so excited to finally watch the big dog eat. Oh, man, it's going to be great. I mean, yeah. they're just going to spam that pick and roll. Like, I've heard that from a couple oh, of different man. people. And when they all collapse on him, he has the touch and the, and the passing to get Lamont on the spot up, get Micah on the spot up. Get all those all those dudes, you know, if they're going to go with that super small starting lineup, which I have heard is maybe a little bit more likely than than we kind of anticipated, where he's the five and Mike is the – they kind of start with that lineup. 
I mean, why wouldn't if you're expecting him to have a monster year where guys are going to collapse on him? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you play the majority of the minutes with four shooters on the floor like that? Four elite shooters at, at that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, all right. Anything else before we get going? Um, go ask Texas. Yeah, go ask Texas. One other thing. One other housekeeping. This is just just me, but um. We, Carly and I are doing the ALS walk that the team is actually doing this weekend in San Diego. Uh, my grandmother actually had ALS and recently passed away in March. And so we wanted to, you know, be involved, you know, the Aztecs in the community, but it's also something near and dear to my heart. So I did post just a little fundraising thing. If you can do it, um, that's great. But uh, we will be out there Sunday if you are also coming to the ALS walk, because I know the Aztecs are doing their thing with Mesa there. So um, if you see us, come say hi, but it's a uh, Something we hope to, you know, that Carly and I hope to do going forward. So check that out. It's on my Twitter feed if uh, that's something that you're interested in uh, supporting. But yeah, man, other than that, go Aztecs.